is going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Origin Story, a spinoff of the podcast For the Love of Cinema. I'm one of your hosts, Grayson Maxwell. And I'm your other host, Brandon Boring. Brandon, I have to say first and foremost, thank you for bringing this movie to my attention. We're talking about The Fall today. Yeah, um, you're welcome. Uh, that's honestly one of the reasons I wanted to, to do it on this podcast with you, because it is a film that I discovered in college, and it just seems like no one's talking about it. And after now that you've seen it, it feels like a film that all film people you know should be talking about. And it's, boy, it is very artistic. It's kind of out there, but man, it just works as a product. We're going to talk about why in just a minute. Brandon, what has been going on, my friend? Uh, with me, you know, uh, I've been a fair amount of improv shows. I've been doing a lot of a comedy around town. I have a show that runs all of uh, February. And I have my monthly show for all of these this year with the uh, TBD, the improvised musical here in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, other than that, you know, just keep my head on getting getting wrapped around. I'm su- I'm shocked how far into the year we already are. We're almost halfway through February here as we record. And uh, yeah, I feel like I'm just getting my feet under me from the new year. Oh, I know. Yeah, it just doesn't man time. You know, what's funny about that is like when I was a teenager in high school, middle school, I thought time moved so slow and it's like i have mm-hmm. no idea where these last 10 years went i have not a clue where they went you know do you ever just think about that how like the first 18 years of your life goes so slow and then then you blink and you're 25 you blink again you're 31 yeah it, oh, it, it, it is shocking my friends will talk about something that happened like right after college and i'm like oh that was 13 <laughs> years ago now that's insane <laughs> it is indeed insane um i've been watching i actually so we're recording this on february 12th uh, my apologies for those of you who reached out and said, why did it take so long to post the Dragonheart episode? Because in that episode, we talk about your play and how people should go watch it. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, it was posted way too late. But um, I have been reprimanded by a couple of my friends who said they would have loved to go support your play. Next time, let us know in a timely manner. <laughs> So yeah, that's that's you know. Honestly, it's also on me too. I only have the you know between all my other things, I only have time to do these like maybe once a month, and then coordinating two of our schedules, it's just a whole, it's a whole thing. I agree. Also, I want to say thank you to those who reached out who really enjoyed the Dragonheart episode. Brandon, I told you people were enjoying it, and I guess I didn't tell you the extent of how much. I guess as a measure of a producer, I haven't talked to in my goodness. Since 2012, uh, a Christian Bale movie I was working on in Pittsburgh, I didn't even know he mm-hmm. was listening. He emailed me and said, love the Dragonheart episode. L- you need to do more of those. More, more nice. of the episodes with Brandon. So um, he's like, well, let's get in touch. I'll be in OCC and I'm going to be in Atlanta in mid-March uh, for a movie. Let's 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 meet up. Let's talk about some things. I said, okay, absolutely. <laughs> Sounds great. Hey, man. Always always happy to hear I have some fans out there. You know, I love I love talking about movies and glad I'm just glad anyone likes listening to it. So yeah, I, I think my lucky star is that we even have any even on my other podcast, we even have one guy who or girl who listens and enjoys it. And I, I just thank you very much for your patience. It's very humbling to to get accolades on an episode. It's just it's it is it's a very humbling thing. So thank you very much for those oh man brandon did you survive the ice storm that i I hear came through your area not too long ago i did it was actually uh it was really planned out um uh so uh, the woman i'm dating we we sort of planned ahead and we like got groceries and stuff that week and so we just shacked up for like four days like we could both work from remotely so it was very easy we were able to just do our jobs and stay in we had plenty of food and everything and didn't have to go out into the snow ever it was it was very convenient because we were able to plan ahead like that 
by good food, I mean you had tons of Olive Garden takeout. I uh, no, no, I, no, no. She's an amazing <laughs> chef. So, so she made some legit meals for us, uh, and good, then good, you know, good. I had I had some bagels and stuff in the morning. That was my contribution. It's like I can run a toaster. And <laughs> there you go. I can run a toaster like a damn pro. That's what I. Yeah, say. I push that button all the way down, baby. <laughs> all the way down, baby. Amen. Well, good. I'm glad you survived. I heard it was worse than a lot of people may think it was, but. And but here in Atlanta, it is like sunny and sixty today. It's back to it was really really cold for a while, but it's it's back to normal here. And as a side note, I did so yesterday. We're recording this on Saturday, February twelfth. I had to go to set for the film I'm working on, Harold and the Purple Crayon, and it was very. It was also kind of like it's one of those things that even back to working on my first feature film, uh, when I would see you know Chris Pine. Um, that was unstoppable Chris Pine and Denzel. And then I, that was on my, I was day playing on uh, unstoppable. And then I got to work on, uh, of course, super eight. And I saw all those out. Like, it's a really interesting thing. Even seeing them up close. I just like Zachary Levy loves like standing, like literally like right next to me. And then he was out in the parking lot, like zipping up and down on his motorized, whatever skateboard thing he was on. It was just like, it's one of those things. that's just, wow. Like it's still like, Whoa, Zachary Levy's right there. Nice. So that's pretty cool. But yeah, I was doing that yesterday. I was on set delivering paychecks. That, that um, makes you a very popular man, I assume. Oh, everyone's always happy on Friday when it comes to when it comes to they 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 will quite literally. That's why they ask you only to come at lunch because people, as soon as they know pay payroll paychecks are on set, they will literally drop whatever they're doing, even if they're in the middle of the take. They will literally like stop and look for the payroll guy or person. <laughs> I mean, it's just the payroll person, just the payroll guy. Yeah, no, I I can't blame you there. I mean, it reminds me of the, you know even the old uh, movie theater days uh, b- back in the day before a direct deposit was everything, and we would get our paychecks. We'd all drive over to the bank and deposit them right away. And we 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 try to because remember payday was always Saturday after one o'clock. And yeah, I think they did that on purpose to keep the money in the bank a little while to earn that little extra interest. Mm-hmm. You know, but but there was that, that one. Was there was one bank that was open late enough for us to like run immediately over and get that cash. <laughs> Because, of course, when you're that age, you don't have, like, you never plan for two weeks of income in your wallet. You just, you know, never. No, never, you, never, you never. get that, and then we went to McDonald's and got that good food. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my goodness. All right. We have gotten off on a little bit of silliness, but let's talk about uh, a little movie, Brandon, that we uh, both, well, you refreshed yourself, and I watched. Um, let's talk about The Fall from 2006 from writer-director, uh, producer Tarsum. Mm-hmm. with lee pace yeah Brandon, this... why, don't, why, why don't you take the reins on this one uh sure thing yeah this movie uh well, i think i mentioned this when i pitched it to you is that i i i was at this sort of independent movie house in columbus when i was in college and i just saw a trailer for this thing which included that shot of the horse uh, in the alexander the great section of the horse riding against just the orange sand wall and as soon as i saw that shot i was like what is this movie i need to see every last second of this thing uh i was taken with it and and then, you know, so I, so I just took a chance on that. I was like, whatever, I, you know, I had time. I saw, I saw as many movies as I can. And I, it, it was an immediate gem. It's, it's honestly one of my favorite films. I love it. It would probably be in my top 10 if I bothered to do a ranking list, just of films that, that speak to me and I enjoy. And I love just to sit down and watch. Um, so I'm glad I had a chance to revisit it uh, and to break it down with you. Cause I just watch it and enjoy it. And it's a whole different experience as you know, sort of having to talk about it and plan out a conversation with someone about this uh yeah so i i let's just go beat by beat through it i you know i'll I'll get distracted all day if i just talk about the bigger picture of it so i think just just sort of going through the film is going to be the way to to handle it um and we open with this very sort of modern you know Zack snyder kind of slow-mo opening 
uh, of these greats. The, yeah, the color saturation on it because it's in this, it's in like the sepia black and white look, and it's uh, it's all these stuntmen. Uh, clearly, something's gone wrong. Ultimately, towards the end, we see that uh, you know a horse has died during this during some type of train stunt over a bridge, and just very methodical paced, which is kind of the whole film. It's very methodically paced. It's confident in what it's doing, and and the titles get you that right away. Uh, how did you, how did you feel sort of watching these now where this is sort of a much more rote? I mean, you know, I think people think of the Watchmen when it comes to slow motion credits, but obviously this was back in uh, 2006. So uh, well, how how did you feel about these? Something you said to start it off was it's it is very Zack Snyder-esque in that way. I didn't even think about that, but it really is. Um, I, 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 I'm a big fan of this kind of storytelling Um of this kind of, you show little snippets, like almost like you're a detective, you know, trying to interpret the clues given to, given to you to piece together the entire thing, which is, you know, I mean, kind of what you're doing in a movie like this. And it's interesting because I, going going into the, the fall for me is a lot like um, some of the streaming movies I watch. Is I know nothing going into this movie except for who's in it. And of course, you know, you and I have very similar taste and, and you enjoyed it. So I've, I, I had a, I had a, you know, it was a very, it was easy money to just bet on the fact that I would also really enjoy this movie. And, and, and I did, but I, I didn't know a whole lot else going into it. I didn't even read the Blu-ray cover, which going off for a minute, I had a hell of a time getting a hold <laughs> of this. It's not available on any streaming services in, in the United States, at least not legally. Um, it's available in, on the UK. So it was someone said, if you want to watch it, get a VPN. Uh, I didn't do that on VPN. I want to rush it. So, but I did find it on eBay and these, these are not cheap. If you are looking for a copy of the fall on Blu-ray, which I would suggest because I mean, it's, it's a hell of a movie to refer to again and again. It's, it's, it's one I can easily see myself watching once or twice a year and really getting into the story again. Oh, yeah, I, I recommend you... getting, if you, if you are ever in a, this is one of those, like if I'm ever in a, in a, in a, some kind of independent, you know, place that sells, you know, DVDs, Blu-rays, VHS, I'm always going to look for the fall just to be like, I just want to see if I can find any in the wild because it's just, this movie is so hard to find. And I call the local, there's a local place here called media mania. I think it's called, they have a ton of like thousands, thousands of Blu-rays, DVDs, VHS. I'm like, do you have the movie, the fall? And he, 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 he said, yeah, yeah. It's, I, I think it's like six 99. And I said, okay, great. Can you hold that? I'm on my way to pick that up after work on Monday. I called him last weekend. And he said, oh, oh, oh. And then he, and I was like, oh, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew he was going to look it up. And it was, he's like, I can't sell you that for $6.99. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, it's oh, going to be yeah. a lot more than that. I'm like, I don't know if I want it. Like, I don't know if I want to buy it from you if you're going to do that to me. So I just, I got a copy off eBay. But man, this thing is hard to track down. Let me, let me tell you something. It is impossible. Oh, boy. To track That's, down. Uh, yeah. We were, I was lucky. Uh, uh, my roommate Clayton, he purchased this on Blu ray years ago because we wanted a nice high def copy to show to friends because, as, as you'll find, it's a visual feast. Uh, this film so we wanted you know a nice hd copy so fortunately i had access to that still so that's what uh i watched it on i i didn't have to deal with your shipping issues um but yeah if you see it out in the wild just go ahead and grab it you're gonna enjoy it trust us on that one and if for, and if nothing else you're, you're gonna get your money back plus whatever i mean plus a, a nice you know a wad of cash in your pocket if nothing else you could at least do, do that i don't recommend mm-hmm. pirating stuff like that or not pirating but you know scalping flipping whatever you call it but i, I mean if you see it, you, chances are you won't see it a second time. Mm-hmm. So get it. But back to the opening of the the, the yeah. very stylized, very black and white, very like snippets of something has happened. You don't quite know what. You get the you, you get the sense it's 
it's from some kind of motion picture. Although I don't think you have enough information yet to know it's from like 1915 or from the silent era. Um, I don't think you have enough information to piece that together, not for another few minutes at least, but you know something has gone wrong. Something isn't right. And you're seeing mm-hmm. something that's kind of odd because of the visual style, because of how the movie opens, how it's presented with the with the with the piece of music that's chosen, which is also, I think, very you know, very well, very carefully chosen as as, as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you get the idea that something's not right, but I mean, and the visual style helps to really kind of helps to see that into you. Yeah, uh, and I love uh, it's basically cut to our primary location, which is this hospital outside Los Angeles, and we get this very funny title now that is Los Angeles Once Upon a Time. Uh, living in a post once upon a time in Hollywood world, it's very funny to see Los Angeles once upon a time. Well, but I, I think, I mean, obviously that's meant to, I mean, that's meant to give you a visual clue that, you know, it's very storybook-esque. What, mm-hmm. what, what's, what's coming is very like, you know, because all the fairy tales start with once upon a time, you know, like they all start like that. So, I mean, it's mm-hmm. given you a very fairy tale. It's given you a clue that what's coming, you're going to, it's kind of, is it in reality or is it not kind of base, which I like those. By the way, and I and I have a, a a piece I want to talk about about other movies like that, but that'll come later. Yeah, uh, yeah. So we meet our uh, our co lead, which is Alexandria, who is this young girl uh, who has her arm in a cast. She's staying in this this ward. You could see just from the technology, it is you know sort of the silent film era. Uh, I didn't write down the specific year, but uh, so we're, we're sort of following her day. She's walking around. She's she's just talking to the various nurses and the different people who work there, just sort of running around on her own, supervised. Uh, and she tries to toss down this note to a nurse, uh, which it, it goes missing. So basically, she's running around trying to find it. Uh, and fortunately, it has the winds of fate have blown it and has landed in the lap of Roy, played by Lee Pace, who is our other lead of the film. Uh, Katenika Untaru is Alexandria. Yeah, she has very few credits. Uh, she's only done a couple other things, at least listed IMDb wise. But she's also, I mean, she's pretty good in this. I mean, she's very good in this, and a she's, very she's... childlike sense of of wonder. Is she is wonderful at portraying, even though that might have just been natural because she is that young. But yeah, and it, the, the thing, uh, Tarsum, he, the director, he was talking about working with her. All of her scenes in the hospital were shot chronologically. Uh, so a couple things that happens there is basically as the actress got better at English her character got better at English and it was just sort of, it formed that like, Oh, the, the, she spent more time talking to Roy and she's getting a little better English, a little better understanding things. And that just carried through to the performance perfectly. Uh, yeah. If, as far as ch- child actors go, she's very good. And I think having, having like the language barrier be part of it and have her being so young, it it's yeah. It just plays into the strengths that anything that normally, you know, you get very experienced and practiced children actors sometimes they, they could be a little unreal but she is she's very natural and uh i think just a joy throughout this whole movie i agree she she adds to the she adds to the wonder well she adds to the element that though the story may be roy's story like told audially like told mm-hmm. you know by the by 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 you know I, I forget what to you know audially but um it's her imagination that we're seeing this through and that's why that's what i loved about it is you know, I, I mean, the old, I, even as, as old as I'm ever going to get, which, you know, the older of my years I get, I still appreciate that those movies that tell an adult story through a very childlike sense of wonder. It's a whole different dimension that we don't often get in film. And also it's, it's doing it in a way that like the details are populated by this child and you see the way they come through, but it's not like, 
it's still this very epic adult stylized looking story the the story within a story the the world she imagined in her head like it is through her eyes because of all the details that she adds and you see but it's not through her eyes in the way that they act like children would think these people act they're still acting very mature and appropriate to the epic scope of the story but for example it's it's all her little thing so she sees the the x-ray technician in this very intimidating black suit. And then later when we meet the guards, they're wearing that suit because that's what scared her. So when she's thinking of scary, intimidating guards, she has populated that story. It's clearly not something that Roy has told her. Um, I think my favorite detail of that is, uh, so one of her, one of the people who is an orange picker with her is a man from India. And uh, when Roy is telling the story, he, he, one of the adventurers is an Indian and he means uh, a native American because he t- refers to like his squaw. And he says that in his, his wigwam, uh, but she has, she hears Indian and she just populates it with a man from India. And so they never really even comment on the fact that he keeps using the, you know, the terms for sort of native Americans when we're clearly seeing a man from India and the Indian culture that way. Uh, it's just, it, it's a funny little thing, just some disconnects between what he's saying and what she is seeing. Yeah, but uh, like, I think that's, that's part of my that favorite detail, but that detail, it, it adds a whole nother layer of, of kind of. I don't want to say like quality, but I mean, quality is not the right word, but that's what I'm trying to say. And then it has a whole nother layer of production value that I don't think you see very often anymore. You know, that those little tiny things that if, if you were on your phone or you weren't really watching the movie, but you're watching it, like you'd miss those details. Yeah. This you movie is not miss that. Yeah. This is not for a cell phone age. You should not be tweeting while watching this film. You should be watching this movie. Yeah. You hear that Ridley Scott? <laughs> we're not going to be sending <laughs> tweets during this. Yeah, uh, this one I did. In fact, I had to pause because I was I was taking notes just because I wanted to make sure I didn't forget any of the sort of the various scenes and the and sort of order of things. Um, so I was jotting down notes as I went. So I was pausing to make sure I wasn't missing details while I was noting certain things. Um, but yeah, so so our characters meet, and he immediately sees this like young rambunctious girl. He kind of takes a liking to her, but you can tell he's you know he is he is in bed right now. He doesn't appear to have use of his legs at the moment. We don't know all the details. A lot of this is just kind of. You piece together both her story and his story together. They don't like really just sit down and go like, I'm going to explain you everything. You just get little snippets throughout when we check back into this real world. Um, but he does his first bit of storytelling to delight and distract her, uh, which is the story of Alexander the Great. Um, because he also was waiting for a note. So uh, this is the first time we just get the amazing style that we're going to see in the rest of the story. Um, Cause he, th- there's this amazing transition where he is, He's riding his horse because she imagines him riding his horse. And then he has to correct her and goes like, well, no, he wasn't riding his horse. So then the actor we're watching play Alexander Great gets off his horse and the horse walks out of frame. And then he goes, he actually wasn't around a bunch of green. He was in the desert. And there's great sort of sweeping shot where it, it circles around him. And then it suddenly becomes the desert all around him where he was in the sort of lush ruins of these buildings. Uh, just an amazing transition off of the horse into the desert. And that's the sort of thing you, you just got to hold on because there's going to be a whole lot of that. Yeah, but I mean, it's if you're, excuse me. One of the things I wanted to say about the fall is like, if you're not into this movie within the first ten minutes, this is going off. But if you're mm-hmm. into it, you're into it. You know what I mean? For what I read, just did a little bit of, of uh, recon in this. Is this so? This was filmed and it took four years to make this. Yep, twenty eight different countries. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? My goodness! Uh, I mean, because, uh, but, but, but when, when when you're over in Europe and and places that aren't the United States, I mean, you you could easily even with a quick train ride be in four different countries in a matter of hours. 
So yeah. I mean, country's a lot closer to you know. Yeah. Well, so. also by our reports, uh, this was you know the financing was just sort of piecemeal together, and a lot of it was filmed. Tarson was kind of a, a hired gun, doing a lot of like commercial video shoots and just different things for hire. And then while he was sent to these countries, he's like, okay, well, an hour away, there's these ruins. I have this crew here. I'm going to hire out these same camera guys. We're going to run over and do a day shooting. And these, because all they don't build any sets for this. This is all the amazing locations you get are all just places that have been found. He's not, he's not building these buildings. It's gorgeous staircases, all these palaces, all these vistas. It's amazing the visuals that he's getting getting uh that's for this that's a, that, and that's all practical there's no green screen here people none yeah i mean it's all practical maybe maybe one or two that 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 scene where they shot where there's a key character death and a key animal death unfortunately which which made me cry by the way yeah. um I can't, is that a real is that a is that not green screen is that is that a real place uh i believe that, the, the, the location is real they may have green screened some elements just to okay, like com- okay. composite action but the the location itself does exist and there's a there's a lot of these scenes that I don't even think that it's almost like a very fine ballet or a choreographed dance. What you see a lot of these henchmen doing, I mean, it goes beyond just, you know, henchman, a henchman B enter. There's, I mean, there's some scenes with a lot of bad guys and it's, it's almost like they're doing a very finely choreographed dance. And Mm -hmm. I, I really appreciate that. Yeah. It is. It's, it's hyper. It's almost melodramatic in how like it is like the villains are swooping in their motions and it's, yeah, everything is so it's, it's childlike. It's fairy tale. There's no, there's no grittiness to this. We're so used to, I think the monetary, like everything needs to be more grounded and real. And like, this isn't grounded and real, but it's, it's tactile and real in the way that we're not faking it. And so it's, it's so refreshing to see a story like this. Um, you know, it, while it, it while it's a different animal, it puts me in the mind of like um, Pan's Labyrinth because I saw those around the same time, and those are two films. I'm like, oh, these are so like carefully crafted artistic God, visions. Pan's Labyrinth is just one of those movies. It is, I mean, boy, if if I've seen a dozen masterpieces in my life, Pan's Pan's Labyrinth is definitely one of those masterpieces. Oh, for sure, yeah, we, yeah. I, I saw that in the same theater. I saw this one, um, but they 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 put me in the same mind. Like, okay, here are people who are are doing something different who aren't overly concerned with. Cause I feel like around this time was like, all right, this is when enough of this fake stuff, we got to get gritty and real. And there's still a place for that. There's, I still really enjoy a lot of sort of, if you, as people would describe gritty films, but it's just nice to see something like this. Like, yeah, it's weird that henchmen climbed stairs in this formation and move like this. And as you say, <laughs> feel choreographed, but it's, it looks awesome. You know what movies I was thinking about while watching this now that we're talking about the feels we're getting from other places is, of mm-hmm. course, Big Fish, which yes. predates this, though, I mean, it, it was this was shooting before Big Fish came out. But and also, you know, a, a movie like Secondhand Lions. Again, you're trying to you're 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 seeing a story play out, a story that's told to you. And some uh-huh. of the elements are a little I mean, by a little embellished, I mean, a lot embellished and fictitious. But don't you prefer the fictitious part of it? Don't you prefer, you know, that's what Big Fish is so good about doing is separating making sure you know especially in the end what parts were fictitious what parts weren't but you still prefer the part that wasn't real because that's the story that's you know, yeah. the story is better than the reality of it and i think this is where you know a movie like this fits so well in because it just it's one of those it's one of those stories that you're you're questioning a lot of sequences you're you're, mm-hmm. you're questioning so many things in this movie like ah this is I mean, because then, I mean, when the movie chooses to give you, for example, the guy who plays Darwin is one of the guys that's in one of the wards. Yeah, he's an orderly. Well, okay. So once you see that, okay, well, 
And then you start to like, then you, then, then you're able to identify one of the other key characters also does something in the, in like the, the mental hospital where they are. And it's like, okay, yeah. now I can see where some of these are coming out of the woodwork here. Yeah. No one in, no one in the main story, Alexander the Great there or something, but no one in the main fantasy sequence, uh, the story he tells her uh, plays just a character in the fantasy sequence. They're all also people in the real world either connected to her through the photograph or through the film business with Roy or people who work in the hospital, they're all populated by, cause it's the little girl. She's just imagining people she sees. So, you know, when he describes the, the former slave as this, you know, muscular black man, she imagines the ice delivery man because that's who she met. So uh, yeah, it's all, all those are one-to-one uh, the casting like that. Cause as we said, she's populating the details. So one, even in the Alexander, the great story, there's the amazing detail. If he gets that message from a messenger and the paper that he gets it on is like cut up and folded exactly the same, in the style of her exact note. Exact same way that she hers was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's because so, because she's like that's what notes look like. He told me it was a secret note like mine. This is what mine looks like. Uh, yeah, it just it's gonna be hard to to capture this in words without just like I because I can't just sit here and go like and this shot looks really good and this shot looks really good. Just know that. Uh, if someone told me that this film was style over substance, I would disagree, but I would understand because it's just dripping with style at every turn. Uh, so ju- just trust us when, when we say you got to get your hands on this and watch it to really fully appreciate it. We're not going to be able to capture all the visuals and words. Well, style over substance doesn't always have to be bad. I, I think it's bad in, in, in the case of the Dark Knight trilogy. I don't think it's bad in the case of this. Um, because this doesn't, even though I think a lot of it is style over substance, it's the good style. It's the, it's the, it's the striking visual art style. That's, I mean, the characters are doing things on screen and telling you things, but you're also, mm-hmm. if, if you're only paying attention to that, you're, you're, you're missing half the movie. You, mm-hmm. You're just quite clearly missing half the movie. And that's a shame because you have to see what's going on visually behind you. And like, there's so much with, with the color palette being used and not being used. And it's wonderful. It just, it mm-hmm. just is. Uh, yeah, it's just to get, catch us back up with some more of the plot. Uh, so he, he finishes his Alexander the Great story. Uh, she has to go. So he tells her you can come back the next day and maybe he'll tell her another story. So she's off. And then we just get like a little bit more of her walking through the hospital. Everyone loves this girl. She is just charming. The nurses love her. I mentioned briefly the ice delivery man. She goes up. She starts licking this ice block and he chases her away very playfully. Um, yeah, it's just everywhere she goes. People are just cheering her along. Uh, we also get a few more snippets of sort of what's going on with Roy. Uh, uh, this uh, man with one leg is talking to him, telling him like, oh, you got to take, we get something, something at the studio. We understand the studio is trying to pay him off. So we gather like, okay, well, he's in the hospital because of something with a movie studio, you know, and he's, the other guy's a stunt man because he's talking about things he's doing with one leg. Just get a little, again, they don't sit you down and tell you in chronological order, here's what's going on. And it's just, um, the kind of juxtaposition of this big epic story with a little trickle of real life uh, matters that are happening with Roy. And well, also Alexandria, because about... Alexandria's story gets very dark when you get her full tale. Well, let's talk about for a second. Uh, let's talk about Roy's character, even even up to the middle of the movie, even when you still don't quite really know the full the full scope of what's going on is Roy is. I mean, there's one key scene somewhat towards the middle where he gets a he gets a visitor and then a young woman who you've seen before because she's a character in the, in the imagined story um, mm-hmm. is sitting in a car. She's kind of upset. And then you kind of, you, you, you get a lot of glimpse into what happened. You know, he attempted suicide. Um, he didn't get the girl. So now you have more of the pieces of the puzzle, which is, I mean, we, 
are watching a story play out. So it's a story about a man who is distraught. Now we know, okay, because he didn't, you know, a great love of his life chose to go with another man. Okay, we know, we know that that can cause, I mean, look, I mean, I don't want to talk about it. You know, I don't want to say that's wrong, or that, but like emotion has, has a way of doing very funny things to people. Even even the, the hardiest and, and, and most rational people, it has a way of just twisting in the end. But so I mean, emotions are something that, you know, even I, like I know that there's just forces in this world that you shouldn't mess with. Emotions are some of those forces. But you, so you know that something's not right and he did attempt suicide and that's why he is where he is. And, you know, but yeah, I think but it was also of, it, it's important to note that it was sort of suicide via his job because he did this like insanely dangerous stunt is basically what he did. So he did this like jump with a horse off the bridge in the beginning. And so basically he was trying to on the movie that his 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 former love is working on. Basically, his his ex left him for the leading man of the movie. And so the leading man and his ex are in this movie together that he's a stuntman on. And he tries to do this like insanely dangerous stunt uh, in the role of the character, the leading actor, not caring for his own safety. So it was more of a like, I'm going to do this. I don't care if I die more so than a suicide temp, which is sort of what the hospital plot is about is he has now given up his stunt. His stunt to impress her has failed. She is not going to come back to him. And so we decided pretty quickly that he's just using this little girl to try to get morphine to take as much morphine as he can and kill himself. Um, Which again, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very simple story when you get down to it, but that's the whole point of the, he's telling the story and we're seeing it from a childlike perspective. And that's the whole point of like, it's not so simple. It's, it's actually kind of, it's got flair and flash and, and all kinds of grit to it that you wouldn't even expect to, from that simple of a story. You know, it's just because the, the doctors keep trying to downplay it. No, it's just a guy. I mean, a lot of guys get left every day. You don't see them doing that. And like, that's, that's a line one of the doctors says. And like, so you mm-hmm. mean, that's the, I mean, that's the backbone of the story is right there. Just a man who was unable to cope with the situation. But it, I mean, it's when you, when you get into what we're shown, it's so much more than just that. Yeah. And I mean, there's a question I asked you in the beginning before we start recording was, I mean, it, it's, it really is kind of, it, it, it is, it's up to the viewer in the end when you find out that it's maybe not as complicated as you want it to be, but it's, it's kind of a lot of it's on you though, still to figure out what's real and what isn't real in that story. Well, it's 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 a small story when you compare it to the literal epic as they describe it. Uh, I found it funny that he he tells the story as an epic when you were talking about how they don't make epics anymore. I was well, like, I here just, you go, here you go, Grayson. Here's people, your epic. I, I don't think even when I was a teenager, kids and I mean even people my own age didn't. They just called every movie they, that they loved epic. I'm like, that's mm-hmm. not that's epic has a very you know certain definition, and that's not it. Yes. So. I mean, um, but regardless, uh, my point was because it, it, it's just very sort of elemental, simple themes that they're not complex, but they are powerful because we basically hear the doctor in the background one point says, you have to decide to be better. And that's his character arc is basically Roy needs to decide to be better. And it's the story of his meeting this child. And through her, spoiler alert, he decides to be better. That that that's what it breaks down to. It's very simple, but it's it's elemental. It's alchemical. It's primordial. It's it's so simple, but it's powerful, in my opinion. No, it's that a story a... that it, it's a story that transcends all age. I mean, every 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 human being since the dawn of time has gone mm-hmm. through that. You know, it's the one thing that we're all subject to is emotion yeah. and how to deal with that kind of thing. Um, but he knows he needs to sort of ensnare her to get her to, to help. Also, I think he just likes her. As we see, everyone in the hospital likes her. So she wants to hear a cool story. He wants to get something out of her, but he still he goes above and beyond sort of weaving this tale for her. Uh, yeah, so he, he introduced us to the main story that we're following, the story within a story that she imagines, which is the story of this team of five people who are going after the evil Governor Odious. Odious. Uh, 
Yes, yeah, so we have the the former slave uh, who is played by the I said the ice delivery man. We have something just simply known as the Indian, uh, who is played by a man who is in the photograph, who is a, an orange picker along with the, the young girl. Uh, we have an explosives expert, uh, Luigi, who is Luigi. played by the actor who is missing a leg. Uh, we have Charles Darwin, who, as you mentioned, is played by one of the orderlies, which I tell you how much I like, because I'm pretty sure that was in the trailer when they do like the rundown of the team. It's like the former slave, the Indian, the explosives expert, Charles Darwin. Like, I laughed so hard. Like, it just hits. It's so weird. It's such a weird detail to, uh, to do that. Um, but the final one and the, the leader of our pack, uh, who is ultimately paid by Lee Pace, is the masked bandit. Uh, and he is sort of the leader. They have all been wronged in the past by Governor Odious within the story. And so they have all sworn to uh, o- to defeat him, to kill him, to get rid of Governor Odious and his evil ways. <laughs> yes. And it's, you know, I love when they're, when they're all, they all do their little, ah, they all, look yes. like, yeah, that, that, that's, you know, I guess that's what she's imagining because that's what she knows, you know, heroes to do is, you know, vow to get revenge on villains. Mm-hmm. So of course, yeah it's big know. it's big like i said it's melodrama it's big the, the villain he goes no and he screams into the air and he shakes his fist that's what that's what you do when you're upset uh in 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 her world when you're depicting there's there's not subtlety to it it is it is it is raw nerves um yeah, i also just, love i also love the the orange being thrown at a priest yes too. i mean like i i wanted to bring make make sure i bring that up because like that's got a thematic reason for being in there but when once you figure that out it's like oh my gosh that's actually that's really great um mm-hmm. why they included the orange and being thrown at a priest yeah it's deal. it's like that it's also like at first you think it's just a fun character detail about this little girl you're sitting up as this little mischievous scamp uh you know oh she's running around she's causing trouble she's making friends she's throwing oranges at priests but it all it all comes back everything in this film comes back it all serves a function. It's great. Well, when you're making um, a film for four years and you, you're constantly looking at the script, I guess you have you have time to like make sure the dialogue re you know goes back to and ties up little little things. I guess. Yeah, when you're shooting it the way he did, he has to think like, okay, this is you know I've done this because I believe he filmed all the stuff with the young girl pretty quickly, so all the hospital stuff was obviously done as one shoot, and then I imagine shortly thereafter he. Uh, I guess spoilers for later. She she enters the story as the daughter of the mass bandit. Um, so I imagine that any sequences with her were shot pretty quickly in, in quick succession while she was still of age. Because obviously she did not age four years in the middle of filming, which is good. That would have been awkward. Well, but she did. I mean, there no there there had to be okay. So maybe all the hospital stuff was shot in sequence, but she had teeth in 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 one of the the fantastical yeah, story elements. Yeah, so, but but once again, she has teeth, so she might have been like six months to a year older, but she was not four years older okay, than she okay, was in the fair, hospital. Yeah, fair point. Fair point. But, but I, but yeah, so I mean, they brought her in, and because she's she's in it, but she's only in a couple locations within the fantasy world. So hers, I imagine, they booked it out. Also, it's hard; you can't like book a child actress. Like, all right, cool, you're gonna fly out to you know Estonia and film for two days, and then I'll call you six months from now to do something else. Which like, actually, I kind of love that because there's. <laughs> That's one of the elements that – that's one of the more fantastical elements because, of course, a kid hearing the story that gets so embroiled in some of these big plot points is going to put them – is going to try to put themselves in it also. Mm-hmm. And she does. And that's kind of one of the things that I love – almost one of the most things I love about this movie is she does find a way to insert herself. His story be damned. You know, mm-hmm. Again, that's the childlike element of 
the of the, of the fantasy going on. Yeah, because at that point, he is his most defeated and he is like sort of taking the story in a way she doesn't want. So she keeps rescuing it and we watch the story be rescued and they have almost a fight back and forth. It's like they're dueling storytellers uh, because then he reveals like, oh, he crossed his fingers during the vow and we get these flash like so it's all these little details. It's it's just a, a, a amazingly inventive film. Uh, I was surprised to find apparently it's based on a Ukrainian film. Um, or maybe it's Romanian. I should have looked that up before I said that out loud. But um, I, I before to, I'm going to look that up now and watch watch the one it's based on. I read sort of a synopsis of it, and it, it's the same basic idea of this sort of what's person the, what's, in a hospital. What's the synopsis? Um, well, it's basically it's more pirate based, which is, I think what all the references is. So to like the pirates, yeah, yeah. Uh, in that one, there's the old man of the war, or like in this case, the rich guy in the war, the guy who's like being mean to them. Uh, he's in in the original version. He's more like the main antagonist. And so in the main antagonism story, it's that, you know, that's the bad pirate and they're going to best him. Uh, but it's a similar idea of this depressed man who wants to kill himself, telling a story to a kid to get pills. Uh, but in the end, the kid makes him to appreciate life again and feel loved. And, and it, it, it's the same basic shape of that. But all, all the details are kind of just swapped out and different. You know, uh, one, one thing one thing I do remember from middle school, actually, is um, a, a writer named Ambrose Pierce wrote. A, a very short story called an occurrence at owl Creek bridge. Mm-hmm. It is during the, it's, it takes place during the civil war and a, a someone is being hanged and it, it it's in great detail. Like, the reason it's so long as a short story, is because every detail is so vividly imagined. And there's a reason for that is from the time it takes the, the executioner to pull the lever on the platform on the train bridge um, from the time it takes this guy's neck to snap, he envisions his entire escape. Mm-hmm. And I, I think if you're, if you're going to tell me that had no influence here, I would imagine if you asked Tarson about Ambrose Pierce's work in Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge, he'd say he'd chuckle and say, yeah, I like that a lot. I would imagine that had a little bit of influence here. Oh, yeah, I could see that. And um, I only remember because I remember it. That's one of the few things I remember from my seventh grade year of middle school was because the, the guy, the, the teacher was so passionate about Ambrose Pierce's work that I'm never going to forget that one in particular. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So anyway, sorry. I didn't, that was a little in, in, oh, no, you're fine. Uh, just to sort of jump us ahead, uh, just some more. Again, you need to watch these visuals because there's this great the elephant swimming in the water with all of them. It's just an astounding thing to see when they actually practically do this, uh, just watching this full elephant swim. Uh, and they get a six member of their team because they meet this mystic who, in this wild sequence, comes out of this tree. There's this burnt tree that then starts smoking, and this mystic falls out of it uh, and is there to help them. Uh, yeah, I, the mystic and his tribe are responsible for a lot of the really wild, surreal stuff in the in the film as we go on. Um yeah, I'm so, I'm trying to think. Oh God, yeah. So the, so they're all rushing because the the initial action is that the mass bandits brother has been captured by the governor and he's going to be executed the next day, and so they're rushing to try to save him. But basically, we find out at the end that they were too late. And this haunting visual of this sort of chandelier made out of these flayed bodies is, it's it's not they don't get so close to it that it's like upsetting on like a sort of tactile torture like film level. But just the concept of these bodies hanging in air like that is is wild. Well, of course, but it, yeah, it's not only wild, but it 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 lends into the next scene with the kind of a send off burial that, that is is wildly stylistic. Like mm-hmm. one of the most stylistic, you know, sequences in the entire thing is 
all that red and all the, you know, all that orange, all that red, all that white. It's just, it's so well, it's just, just, I guess I, I gotta stop saying it's so well done. I'm just saying that. Thing. Yeah. But it's, it's, uh, it, it, it lends its, I want to say that the, the color palette there is, is huge. huge oh yeah. And it's you know, uh, and very we'll, imaginative. Uh, yeah. We'll get there very quick. Just um, I want to make sure in case anyone just is just following along with us. I don't know why you wouldn't watch this at this point, but uh, yeah. So that's the end of the story for that day. The, the, there's a rich asshole who's also in uh, the ward with uh, Lee Pace, this sort of uptight guy who keeps being like, doctor just doesn't feel right. Who like, clearly has nothing wrong with him and is just uh, there because he can be and he's rich and he wants to complain um he comes over and there's this fight where apparently he's mad about the story i'm guessing i I think it's just because of the like i'm guessing he described sort of the dead bodies but he comes over and he's fighting with them and uh importantly he drops his key uh yeah this is where we get the sequence uh yeah so it's the next day and uh alexandria is stealing communion bread from the church uh, and and brings it to to Lee Pace, which very very telling sort of exchange between <laughs> two of them, where, where he keeps asking, "Are you trying to save my soul?" And I'm like, "Ah, oh, it's so on the nose, but it's so well done that I love it." Like, I should be mad at a film with a character going, "Hey, young girl who's trying to save my soul, are you trying to save my soul?" But it works. Uh, because it, it, also, it would have worked better had he not had to explain what the piece of bread is to the girl. Although she, I don't know why she would have known, which would have been you know. So. Well, I th- honestly, I, I like that part of it. I think that's the reason. I think that's why it's so less on the because he's saying it, but he's also like it takes some of the heavy thematic nature out of it. He has to like repeat himself and explain to her and she's like not listening. She doesn't care at all. She doesn't care about what he's saying. She just wants more story. Uh, yeah, I kind of really like that. But yeah, so as you described, so it is now uh, we jump back into the story world and it is the 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 sequence where the brother is dead and we have this gorgeous giant tarp uh with the blue bandits who is the masked bandits brother sort of wrapped up just you see a, a a shape of a body soaked in blood and the blood is sort of seeping up this white linen sheet and it's giant i'm talking you know like a two-story tall 40 feet wide just tapestry that's white and slowly being stained with blood it's the sort of thing like, oh, this is why you want to make this film. I, I imagine he had all these images in his head and he just needed to get them out. Which is not a bad thing for a director to have. I mean, no, not at all. Uh, but then also, in, while it's being so achingly beautiful and, and dramatic, it's also, I think this film is very funny because a great moment where he's like, he swore an oath and uh, he's, She's like, I thought he was Spanish. And he's like, oh, no, he's French. And then quickly in the world, there's the great. Yeah. So we're showing him playing the mass bandit. And when she brings up a question like, wait, I thought he was Spanish. Like the the character within the story looks to the side as if doubting himself. Like, wait, uh, no, he's French. Uh-huh. And then he quickly throws up a French salute. It's it's so it's it's great. It's I, 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 I'm a, a loss for words for how much I enjoy little touches like that. And this movie is just covered in them. So but I mean, this was. Still 2006 when streaming was was non-existent. It existed, but it was nowhere near what it is today. And it's just, I'm, a movie like this that gets buried and lost in the theater run, it just shows you where we are in, as far as the nation that loves cinema is, maybe we're, maybe there aren't as many cinema lovers as we as claim to be out there. That's that's mm-hmm. been my, that's kind of been my, my theory for, you know, years now is, you know, for all these big budget Hollywood movies that come out and are not in like the, the low box office they're getting right now, mm-hmm. there can't possibly be like there's much fewer film lovers than any or people that claim to be just aren't. And this is one of those movies that like if someone tells you about this movie or you see it advertised and you don't immediately go watch it, 
as a film as as a cinephile, then you're just mm-hmm. not one. It's just that simple. You're just not. You you you, you can't possibly be. So. But I mean that's a that's a that's a bold claim, and I you know I, I plan to. That's okay. I'll let I'll let you fully own that one. That that is you. That is your opinion, on, and I'll let on, you have it. And and I, I admit I'll take full one hundred percent responsibility for what I just said. I'm gonna I'm gonna expand on that in an episode I have planned for with you, maybe a couple months down the road. But you don't think there's any truth, like even like ten percent truth to that? Well, it depends on how you're defining terms, and like because like cinephile, depending on how you define it, sure. I'm but talking I'm about not going to people that you know put those put their pinky up when they drink wine. Those kind of like here's the thing: like if also if all someone does is they go and see the latest Marvel film and they like when things explode and colors are flashing past them. If that's what they like about going to the movies, I'm not going to tell them they don't love movies. They just have a very narrow view of movies. Okay, okay, okay. Maybe that's a more accurate way to describe what I just said. It, yeah, I'm not going to say they don't love them, but maybe the how they describe maybe the definition kind of maybe could use some work but sure sure yeah because that's the thing like movies are so movies are such a broad art form it's like saying i like paintings that doesn't mean i like every painting and it'd be insane to think that but movies for some reason we don't treat like other art forms and we just think of movies as one monolith like movies well, i mean i'm not talking about liking you can watch a movie not like it i do it all the time but to, but also to appreciate like movies, you know, to, and I get we're in a, we're in a, we're in a pandemic. So that's why I'm giving people the benefit of the doubt right now. But even, I mean, it's just, anyway, anyway, back to the fall, back to the fall. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I got a little sidetracked. No, I, I also like just the variety of locations here. Cause it's not like they're just in these desert locales. The next one they go to is this gorgeous green Valley where the tribe comes out of the grass. And then they're sort of in this sort of mud area where they're doing this chanting around the tribesmen as he's eating the map. Uh, it, it, it's just yeah the colors are so vivid i don't know if they jacked up the saturation everywhere or it's it's balanced super well it it it's super pleasing to the eye to see the variety and the stark contrast between them the costumes also go along with that you know uh the demolitions experts all in yellow the indians all in green darwin's in this great white and sort of red feathered uh jacket they all have the very and the the bass bandits all in black, and then he has his red mask. It's yeah, the, the use of colors to, to pop in contrast. Uh, it's almost it's theatrical, really. It's almost like an opera and a stage costuming that you would do. But that's what I mean. It was meant to be like that. I mean, those are very yeah. again, those are very carefully chosen colors per character. You know, that's why they were meant to be the way they're meant to be. Mm-hmm. So there's that. Uh, they get them to go to the yeah the, the corners. They just like quick little corners of the world. They all swear they're going to track him down. And so we just have this like this real wild montage because it it's, it almost takes you out of sort of the the because it feels like a very fantasy story, especially with the uh, mystic and all the other things happening. Uh, but then they do this quick montage where it shows them like in different places of the world and they're like running along the Great Wall of China and they're by the pyramids. But then they're at the Eiffel Tower and by the Statue of Liberty and. It, so I think it's, it's again, it's the little girl imagining like, OK, all over the world. Here are the big things I can think about from all over the world. I doubt that the Roy was sitting there going like and then they're in front of the Statue of Liberty. <laughs> well, but I mean, same with the elephant in the water. Like, how is the mass bandit going to get off that island? Well, you mm-hmm. need something to carry him. And then what yep. is a little what, what does a little kid think about elephants? You know, like, oh, yeah. an elephant can carry can ferry him from, mm-hmm. you know, it's just that's the you know, that's the thing. Is so so much of it is filled in by her imagination. All of it, matter of fact, is filled in by her imagination. The story is much simpler without the girl there. Yeah. Uh, at one point, someone 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 says very uh, very beautiful and interesting, and I'm like, that's this movie. That, that's the quote. That's all you need. Very beautiful and interesting. Uh-huh. 
Yeah, this this is where the film again some warning because the the framing story, the hospital story, it does get a little dark. Both the the story that Roy is going through, he's a depressed man who's looking to commit suicide, and also the backstory of Alexandria, this young girl, are both sort of they go to very dark places. Um, they don't sort of wallow in that for the most part, but I you, I just want audience you know listeners to be prepared if they do sit down with this film, which I hope they do. Um. If they can find it. <laughs> if they can find it, yeah. It's uh, a tough one, man. Uh, this great moment of Alexandra is very scared of what she sees. She stumbles across. Um, she sees through a window. Uh, unfortunately, this young boy has been bitten by rattlesnakes. And just this heart-wrenching scene of this mother begging the child to wake up. Uh, the doctor basically has told her, like, look, the kid's dead. We can't. He's been bitten all over by rattlesnakes multiple times. It's been too long. He's gone. And she's just it. She's so Alexandra sees this and it scares her naturally. It scared me watching it. <laughs> I'm watching a film. Uh, it's it's it hits you. It gut wrenching, as I said. Um, but then she runs away and she meets this, the the nice old man uh, who is also in the ward with Roy. And he teaches her a secret. He 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 teaches her like, look, it's not a big deal. He's like, I I you know because she has peed her pants. He's like, I pee my pants all the time. It's not a big deal. Here's what you do. And he also tries to teach her a secret to uh, to not be scared, which comes back in a way that is so good. Uh, which googly, he says, googly, googly, yeah. Googly, googly, googly. Those are the magic words to get things to go away. Um, comes from the... Yeah. Well, the, the character that comes from, though, also makes it kind of like the cherry on top of that little sequence, of that little... Mm-hmm. Of the, the the reason why googly, googly is in there. Because, I mean, he's just... it's It's a nice... It's a nice thing between an old man and an old man nearing death and a young girl just starting her life. Yeah. So. Yeah. He, he, he connects with her on a level that like no one else does. You know, he, he doesn't see anything wrong with him other than his age. He's just kind of there. He, you know, he feels kind of like an end of life patient. Um, but it's very sweet. He connects with her again. I think everyone just sort of falls for her immediately and he's no exception. Um, but yeah, Alexandria has stolen pills now, so she brings Roy a bottle of morphine, uh, but she only has three pills in it <laughs> because of a misreading where he he she read his E as a three. She's like, yeah, you said you said three. So I, I brought three pills. And so she so he, she got a full bottle of morphine, dumped it all out, only gave Roy three pills, which is bad for Roy. who wanted to kill himself, but good for us, because then the story would end if he had a full bottle of morphine. Tragically, it would just end with them him taking his life. Um. So at this point, he's like, well, I need to continue the story as best he can for the little girl. She did what he asked and, you know, he's he's upset about it, but he still continues for her. And this is where, of course, we introduce a princess. We haven't had that yet. Uh, and this one is played by the nurse, initially played by the nurse, uh, Sister Evelyn, uh, because she makes her a nun and she's trying to explain it to the little girl. She doesn't quite understand the concept of sister. She's like, she's not anyone's sister. It's like, no, it's uh, okay. <laughs> Um, it's a very short one though. Just sort of introducing, um, is is this when they do the raid? Yeah. So, so this is when they do the raid on this. They have this crazy cart, this giant thing with these people running in the wheels of this this cart, and all these other people pulling along the chains of it. What it's what a set piece this is. This whole sequence, especially with the backdrop of like these these wonderful majestic mountains in the desert. It's like, oh my goodness, how do you get the? How do you film here? Jeez. Again, yeah, it's because he, yeah, because he's sort of a gun for hire, and he's around these places, so he's just sort of location scouting. That's why it takes you four years because he has to find these perfect locations. Um, yeah, so they they basically they because they think it is Governor Odious, but it's actually his fiance, 
um, who I guess they don't realize yet. There, there's some confusion for me with the story within a story as to who they think this woman is. But um, yeah, we, we do a little bit back in the real world. Alexandria is lying to her mother. Her mother doesn't speak any English. And so her mother's like, Alexandra needs to like get out of here and go back to work with us. Can she leave the hospital? And the doctor's like, no, she needs to stay and recover. And the mother's like, we can't do that. And But then she just lies. She goes like, oh, my mom's fine with it. It's fine. Because she just wants to stay and hear more story. Alexandra likes being in the hospital, likes seeing all the people. I mean, obviously, she's working you know, in fruit fields at a young age. Clearly, she prefers running around all day and, and you know, talking to people and meeting interesting new people. So, uh, yeah, we just get more little hints of a very sort of tough life for, for Alexandria, which doesn't bog the story down, but it's just kind of there and it's informing who she is. Yeah, but even but even that part with with her translating between her mother and the doctor, I mean, mm-hmm. she controls that conversation 100 100%. So she's yes. going to get out of that conversation when she wants, which is not only to stay, but to hear more of Roy's story. Mm-hmm. Even even though the doctor is telling her vital information for if you're going to go back picking, I would recommend not doing that or if you do these things, and she doesn't translate any of that whatsoever. Yeah. Nope, she's not cuz she doesn't care. Like she, you know, she's a child. Very narrow-minded, like a child. Yeah, yeah. I think she says she's six. I believe. Uh, I should have written that down again. Um, yeah, this. Well, we we sort of already went over, but this is where we find out a little more. So we see the 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 ex fiance of of Roy in the car. She's very upset by the fact that he's basically obviously tried to kill himself, and and we also find out that the studio is offering him a very large settlement. So uh, that's where we get a few more. But uh, now it's the big move where he gets Alexandria to steal pills with the key from the jerk who lives, the rich guy. So uh, he steals the pills. And so he has, he has, he takes just a handful of pills. He's grabs the, the rich guy's pills and just takes a handful of them as many as he can. And then he's like, I'm going to go to sleep soon, but he'll tell her a little more story before he does. He thinks he's, he thinks this is the end. He thinks he has succeeded and he's taken the pills he needs. And this will be the last time he's around. Um, so he's taken in a mouthful of pills. Honestly, we do too. Because he's he's succeeded, but he does tell a little more story. Basically, the 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 mass bandit starts falling for the girl they rescued. Because uh, of course they do. You need a sweeping romance in an epic, right? That well, how else? Well, how, well, how else do you mean, have? But the stories that again, it's the it's the stories she would have been exposed to would have been all the sweeping the huge sweeping epics with the massive backdrops and the, mm-hmm. and you know, the, the, the knight saving the princess all the time. And like, she's envisioning herself as a princess and that's what it all would have been to a six year old. Mm-hmm. That's what, I mean, that's what it all is to me right now <laughs> Yeah, as a 36 year old. So yeah, of course it's my, you know, when I envision a story, it's pretty much like Shrek every single time. These yep. big acting, you know, that's, but that's because I know I do it. That's what she, I mean, <clears throat> We keep going back to that, but that's the point of the girl's character is she sees she sees things very differently than Roy. Not only is it differently, but she sees she sees things with hope and with optimism, and Roy only sees it with pessimism. At least in the beginning, you know, Roy mm-hmm. comes around. But I mean, uh, I do. When we get to the point where she has hurt herself and Roy is at her bedside, when we get there, I I, I have a lot of questions for you. Mm-hmm. I think as someone who likes this movie more than me, I have a lot of questions for that particular plot point as well all right happy to go over it um yeah just briefly though uh so this is another this is a moment where she sort of takes some ownership of the story because uh well he has them discover that the woman is the fiance of governor odious so they have now turned on the woman and the the mass bandit even though he's in love with her is going to kill her so he shoots his gun at her 
planning to kill her. And then miraculously uh, in a story, because the little girl saw this locket on Roy's ex-fiance that she was wearing in the car where she was crying. And he's like, she's like, no, no, no. This suddenly out of nowhere turn of the story, which is the first sign of her kind of steering it is that, oh, it hit the hit the locket and the the bullet stopped in this locket. And also the locket opened up and revealed that she's not in love. Yeah, it, I, it's it's this it's this insane contrivance uh, of a little girl who's just trying to make the story be what she wants. Uh, and it works so well. I also love the point where she's <clears throat> after they reveal that the, that the locket has stopped the bullet. Um, then he's, he opens a lock and it starts reading, you know, in the story, in, in, in the, you know, the, the make-believe part of the story. Mm-hmm. And he's like, and the locket, here's what the locket says. And then someone says, wait a minute, one small locket has all that inscribed in it. Yeah. Cause <laughs> that's what he says to her. Yeah. That's what he says. Uh, because there's Lee Pace as the mass bandit commenting. So that's our, cause we don't hear Alexandria steering the story, but just the, it is for us to infer because of how abrupt the story change is and then the, the absurd nature. Yes. Uh, yeah, because it's like, don't marry for money, marry for love, my dear. Is It's like this whole long message explaining that she should be with the mass bandit and not with Odious. Which, it's, I mean, that all can be condensed to only marry for love was probably what the quote said was marry for love. And then, and, and, and quote, four, four, three, three, what, three words? That's it. Marry for mm-hmm. love. You know, it's just, <laughs> he expanded it out. Yeah, of course. That, that, that all yeah. makes sense. Um, yeah, so then we get this this freaky ass wedding is what I wrote down. Uh, where then this tr- and they have all these twirling priests in these white robes, and uh, you, you're the, telling me you don't want twirling priests at your wedding one day? Maybe not fifty of them like they have here. I mean, I'll, t- I'll tell you what, I will fill that role for you. I will put on a white dress. <laughs> I will twirl for you. You will, yeah, you could be in the corner twirling. People are like, what's that guy's deal? Like, I don't know. I, I don't know. He just showed up. No one knows him. Fair enough. <laughs> uh, but this is also so. But uh, we find out it's a trap. It's a trick, and the priest has set them up. Uh, this is also where we get the googly song, because uh, she's very scared, but then the score, they have this great giant choir singing, googly, 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 go away. It's amazing. It really uh, we, oh, we also, had, we, we also had a moment earlier where I forgot um, a similar thing with the music, where the, the mass bandit and the princess are ta- or Sister Evelyn are talking, and everything Sister Evelyn says is then sung by the, in the score behind her and it's it's such an inspired moment to make that make the tiny conversation feel more epic and it's swelling and yeah but this is a similar thing where now the words are coming into the score uh that the little girl would want to hear but that's, and I then mean, yeah that's how we're that's how we're filling in the story though that's for us yes you know uh and the I, I, again i don't want to break down i can't break down all the gorgeous visuals in this but the transition from the priest's smiling face to the desert is so well done. Oh, but yeah, I mean, the visual, and it's gonna, gonna, of course, you can't for 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 like the ten or the ten or so seconds that you see that shot, you can't not see it anymore. Like you see it every like for every second, mm-hmm. you see the priest's face that his his evil ass little smirk. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it holds see, on yeah. it for so long. Uh, obviously, the priest, of course, is played by the priest from the real world as well, as you might imagine. Um, yes, but this is where she. So he, he has them. He's look. He thinks he's dying. He thinks he's done. And he so he leaves it in a very depressed place that love has died. It's all been a fake. Governor Odious wins and our heroes die. That's where he's leaving the story as he thinks he's drifting off to his death. So she tries to interrupt and she has the bandit's daughter appear uh, played by her. She climbs out of the bag. Great joke where they go. That's why that bag was so heavy. <laughs> yeah. 
Darwin's bag. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, she's in this amazing. She's an amazing, just matching outfit of the mask bandit. She has her own little mask. Uh, because that's she, a part yeah. of the story where he stopped telling it. Mm-hmm. And then, like, she's like not, not not only filling in the pieces, but like she's kind of taking over. You know, telling that part of the story. I mean, I think there's a reason for that. I, I, I really, really do. Especially, especially in the end when she starts getting emotional when a lot of the characters start dying off and very quickly, and you know, in yes. ways that you wouldn't, ways that are probably less than graceful. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think you know, I really love that kind of juxtaposition from this scene to then we we go in to start. We we get very soon after we get those scenes and and several of them right in a row. Yeah. Uh, we're yeah we're gonna jump through i don't want to drag us on i think again i could talk a long time about this movie um but yeah so basically he falls asleep so she pieces out she's planning to come back the next day but they do this amazing death fake out where basically she sees through the window them taking a body out of the wing that that roy was in um so she is freaking out and she runs down only to discover that that was the old man unfortunately who has passed away but roy's alive and well roy wakes up uh, and turns out basically the rich guy was being given given placebo pills by the doctors just sugar pills so roy just took a fistful of sugar pills which do nothing obviously to him except hype uh, him up hype him up okay. yeah and and he freaks out so hard that she gets scared and she has to run out they bring in orderlies to hold him down and she's terrified of that so he is locked down the sisters won't let her go see him and then honestly i forgot that she falls again and i was so it, it's it was so hard for me to watch this part because I'm, I'm, I care so much for this little girl. Like this movie makes you care for her, and she's like, "Well, I, I know what my friend Roy needs. He needs his pills. He can't." Because Roy told him that she basically he needs these pills to sleep, and that's what they're for. They're just to sleep. So she sneaks around at night, tries to steal the pills, and steps on a pestle and falls off this high shelf, cracking her head. But then we get this freaky ass stop motion sequence. Yeah, I, I was gonna ask you what your thoughts were on that. Uh, I'll tell you this. I had forgotten it existed. I think it is a little less successful than the rest of the stylized choices in it. I like the swing. I want to encourage films to have ambition like this. I, it is not as successful as he was with the rest of the filmmaking. Uh, it is an interesting way. I understand the, the hurdles he was trying to clear and what he, cause he wants to go over sort of the, the feeling of the sequence and the alienation and the confusion that Alexandria is going through while also giving us the snippets of the quote unquote plot that we need. Um, and there are some striking visuals in it, but it's just, it's just so jarring and so different and so sudden that I think it is slightly less successful than the rest of the film. Uh, but once again, I, I love the ambition of it is what I'll go with. Yeah, of course. I mean, that's, that's the scope of what's mm-hmm. being told here. Yeah, of course. And then we get, a, yeah, I think the, the most beautiful tragic sequence, which is this whole ending. So, uh, we get some snippets of Roy getting yelled at by doctors that he's caused this to the little girl. He's hurt her. And Roy comes in and this confession breaks my heart into a thousand pieces. Roy basically comes in and he tells her like, look, I was telling you some dumb story. I was making it up to scam you to get pills. That's all I was using you. Like, why are you listening to me? He just, it, you know, it's the Harry and the Hendersons go away. We don't want you anymore. Throwing rocks at him. Uh, but he's just being honest with her and he's broken. It, it, yeah. It, uh, just thinking about it gets me a little choked up. It, it's it's so so because he's he's so upset. Even though he has given up on himself, he didn't mean to hurt her, and he is now seeing consequences of his actions go beyond himself. And he didn't really thought about that, which is ultimately what's going to lead him to his redemption. But yeah, well, see, it is very I think, tough I mean, to watch. 
See, there's the there's one of the juxtapositions that I thought was interesting because he's tried to kill himself and failed, and she didn't try to hurt herself, but she was hurt very badly. It was touch and go, and almost checked herself out without you know. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to make it sound like it wasn't super, but like almost the same intent, but or almost the same result. But I mean, that's so we're expecting. This is where I think I think part of the movie, at least for me, like kind of falls a little flat is that like he not only with his confession, but he is literally crying to leave Pace's credit. It's very believable. His, Mm -hmm. his emotion. I just question what gets the character there is maybe those two as a pair aren't there yet. Um, I can see that. It is very quick. I mean, it's probably me allowing the convenience of, of a, a movie and a story that, you know, over the course of four or five days, they could come, so, they could come so close. Uh, Cause it starts off. She wants to basically, she immediately wants to hear more of the story, despite what he just told her. So, he, and he's trying to tell her, you know, he's, he's at the end of it. He wants it to end. He doesn't want this little girl to get hurt, but also he's, he's not at the start of the scene. He's not at the point where he's, he's wants to live still. He still doesn't want to live. And so he reflects that in the story. He wants to teach her the, the world this pain, and that's because that's what he's feeling. He he's unable to, he's unable to put aside his own feelings to help this little girl in the moment, and she refuses to accept that as an answer. And that's what's ultimately going to save him. So he goes on the sequence where they're storming Governor's Castle, and basically he kills he's killing off the characters one by one. Uh, it starts with first Wallace, which is the uh, the monkey assistant. The monkey, to, man, yeah, that that monkey I was gets, bawling, dude. Like I don't even. Oh my god, I was in like full tears. <laughs> yeah, it's brutal. Bad. First off, he gets shot, which is sad anyway, him getting shot, but then Darwin rushes up and he's so sad. And Darwin's begging and apologizing. You see him, he's like, I'll tell everyone they were our ideas. I'm sorry I took credit. And he's, it's uh, this beautiful sequence. And then he refuses to abandon him. Uh, another one of the insane sequences, which are these stairs, which is what you're asking about. I believe I these was, stairs yeah. exist in real life. Um, and just all the guards going up these stairs, charging towards Darwin. And yeah, immediately, rest in peace, Darwin. He's gone as well. Uh, and then after that, we have the the demolitions expert, which we finally get Chekhov's explosion. We haven't gone over, but there's been several times where he's lit dynamite and had to keep putting the fuse out. But finally, he gets his explosion, and he goes out, taking out a bunch of guards with him, blowing himself up. Um, which next, was, oh. which what, like, I mean, come on, that's great. It, he it's did, amazing. He did the thing where he opens the trench coat and starts, he, like, has his, has his cigar, which he always has, his one cigar. And then yeah. he just like laughs and blows all like, hundreds of those guys yeah. up, which is very. Strange. I don't know where. Yeah, he's just staying there. They don't notice anything. He opens up his jacket, and there are hundreds of fuses that have already been lit. It's it's great. Which I love all it. burn. Which I mean, every time that happens, they all burn. Or you're, I'm, I'm asking myself, all right, that dynamite would have exploded by now three times. But so, it's a story because the, the first time it's even. Yeah, or the second time they even grow and goes like, "Wait, what about the bomb?" And he and then the character's like, "Oh yeah," and they stop the wick just in time. <laughs> um. The mystic is pretty is a tough one too because the guards are they take out his teeth, which was a, a theme that got established that teeth are where he keeps his strength, uh, based on the old man who was in the room with them. Uh, yeah, and he's getting killed on this tree, and then all the birds are escaping his, his out of his mouth, which is just this surreal image, uh, based on some lines from earlier. The slave runs out to protect Alexandria. And takes all these arrows in the back to the point where then he falls down and he's just like laying on a bed of arrows. Oh, breaks my heart. It's brutal. Yeah. And then the Indian, finally, they're climbing the tower. The Indian's coming up last and he cuts off the line to save them all because the guards have reached them. So he cuts the rope, killing himself and the rest of those guards. Um, 
yeah, so then they finally confront Governor Odious, and the mass bandit is just not fighting. He's accepting death. And the little girl's going like, no, you can't do this. Like, you, he made a vow. He's the hero. That's not how stories work. And then he's like, no, he had crossed fingers. He didn't take a vow. He's a coward. So basically, she's like, don't believe in the mass bandit. He's not a hero. If I'm the mass bandit, I'm a coward, and I'm taking the easy way out. And she's like, I don't want that to happen. And it's great, because the whole time, she keeps talking about the characters in the story. Always the characters of the story. But then there's the one moment where she breaks down, showing that she understands what's going on with Roy. And she begs him. She goes, I don't want you to die, she finally says. And like through tears. And he's crying and she's crying. And that's what does it. Is that she connects with him. She tells him that I don't want you to die. It's not about the story. It's not about the the revenge quest. It's not about the princess. It's not about the governor. It's about me and you. And I don't want you to die. And just it, like I said, it's a very simple thing, but just honestly, sometimes with big, big things like this, it's a small thing that there's someone who who wants you around, and that's what that was enough for him. But that's what that's, he, that's a, what he was missing. That's what he needed. That's what he lost with the woman. Is no one mm-hmm. wants him around anymore? I mean, he. I mean, he legit is like one of the first stunt guys in Hollywood. 1915. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So, but yeah. it's it, it's it, they're both her and him just top tier acting in this scene. I love it. The, ba- the the two of them in the in the hospital room. It's well, it's, yeah, it's, it's, just... it's it's raw and emotional, and that's what kids are great at because they don't have any reason not to be. Mm-hmm. You know, and same with him though. Is that's I mean, Lee Pace is a good actor. I mean, let's yeah. let's not downplay it. Lee Pace is is very. I don't want to say he's exceptional, but man, he's good. Oh no, he I love I've loved good. him since Pushing Daisies. He was great in that. Yeah. Um, th- yes. Then we get. So he he finally breaks and he agrees he's going to live he's going to fight and therefore the character is going to fight so he gives her he gives her an end to the story that she would want um, so the, the the bandit pops back up he easily defeats Governor Odious but he doesn't kill him he doesn't need to he revenge is what's important he goes up to the the woman who is now played by instead of the sister from the church she's now played by the woman that left him for the actor and he goes like look I don't need you. Uh, it's it's so good too because she's telling her off like, look, I don't care for you anymore. Like you you were a bad person, and I don't need you in my life. And they keep giving these shots of her as the young bandit with her arms crossed, looking sassy as all get out. And I love it so much. Just well, these mean, few funny insert shots of her crossing her arm, being like, uh huh, we don't need you. Uh, yeah. And then that that's the end of the story. Basically, the mass bandit and his daughter ride off, no longer bent on revenge to live a happy life. Uh, and then we get a little bit of denouement in this scene of uh, them all watching the watching some movies in the hospital. So Alexandra sees a movie for the first time. Roy's laughing and smiling again, uh, which is great. And then, yeah, we see all the characters in the hospital watching the movies, sort of get a check in of all the real world counterparts. And then finally ends with this sort of montage of uh, stunts where yeah, Alexandra is talking about seeing Roy in the film and being so happy to see her friend, even if it's just on the movie. As he played a stuntman, and then just this nice little montage of like actual stunts from old uh, silent movies of like people jumping onto trains and getting out of things just away. And uh, I think I think for for a film that the character, since you're putting him in that world so heavily in that stunt world, it's nice to get some footage and show like the real stuntmen and the dangerous work they actually did at the outset of Hollywood. God, even then, the work was dangerous. I mean, imagine then with like without like no one would have thought to have like medics there. I'm sure there's there's no stunt pads. Oh yeah, well even you if know. you have a medic, like a couple, they show several people who like get pushed out of the way of a train seconds before a train was going to hit them. There's no medic in the world that's going to save you from getting hit by a train. <laughs> that's true. 
Yeah, it's, I mean, you know, you know, that's production value, baby. You got to have the real thing. And if someone trips up or gets their leg caught, they're just dead. Yeah, that's uh, hurt. So that's the fall. It is, like I said, it is, I, I love the story of it. I think it's great. Uh, it's about the power of stories and the way we interpret stories. But it's also, you know, just this this sweet tale about a man who's lost the joy for life. And this young girl who's full of joy for life and her teaching him what he needs to learn. But also just like if I had the sound off and I was just watching it, I would have a I'd have a great two hours just seeing the the visuals of the film. Well, let, let me let me ask you this. We have a few minutes. Left. Let me ask you something that a question that is kind of in the forefront of for the forefront of my mind right now is mm-hmm. how you define cinema. I, I don't I don't know how you are defining it at this very moment. My definition is always changing. But do you define this as cinema? To you, I mean, I'm, you know, you know, like not the actual definition of you know, film, but like, as far as this movie goes, is it closer or further away from you think the Hollywood definition of what cinema is? Uh, I mean, Hollywood's a business. So I think this is further away. This was, the, I mean, you know, everything's made with commercial intent, but that that was not the driving force. Uh, so if I, again, I, these labels are not very, very helpful for me, but this, this is, I think further from the business of Hollywood, this is more about making the vision, uh, I said you don't make a film with over this many countries over that much of a time because you're making a bunch of compromises for some studio. You're doing it because you're making the movie the way you want to, and I think we got exactly what Tarson wanted. Oh, uh, you he's know, he's a he was. Yeah, this is his passion piece, one hundred percent. This was the movie he envisioned since he was a boy. And this is his thing. So yeah. So I mean, as far as that goes, I, I guess I I call it cinema. But it, again, I don't I don't find individual terms particularly useful like that i like i understand there's something difference between like you know this and the spongebob squarepants movie or something uh i understand they're they're like technically different things but it's just a matter of what an audience is intended for and you know this is the type of film that is made for like whoever finds it like tarson made the movie he wanted to and he helps people find it and i'm one of the people who found it by the looks of things, when I was reading about it, is not a lot of people did, and that's unfortunate because this this is definitely a work of art that should have been seen by a lot more people than it was. Exactly. When I found out you hadn't seen it, I was like, "This, you know, this seems right up your alley." I'm sure, you know, just the visual feast of it. I've seen many movies like it, um, just not this one. But there's a movie I always like. I don't know if you saw it. You ever seen it? It's called Never Was, with you know the late Brittany Murphy, Aaron Eckhart, um, uh, who's Magneto and Gandalf was. Oh, Ian McKellen. It's a very different type of movie, but it's about a, you know, it's another, it's another like what's real and what isn't. And, you know, with that cast, I always say to people, you should definitely watch that movie. Why would you, if you're, if you're someone who loves films and hears that cast and shrugs your shoulders, perhaps you don't love them as much as you think you do. Um, that's what I always say. But again, that's a very sweeping claim that I may or may not take the early piece of that conversation out because that, now that I think about it, it's very, you know, but um, yeah, I always just, I like that art of that kind of storytelling when it's what's real and what because film in itself, none of it's real. It's all fiction anyway. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, we're seeing I, a story play out. I'm a big fan of, I'm assuming you've seen um, uh, Jet Li's hero. Yes, of course. That's a very stylized, very yeah. stylized. Thing. Again, very stylized, but also it's another one of that's more of like a, a Rashomon tradition where it's like retelling the story and then the details change because we're finding out more truth. Uh, so that that that's a similar thing that I I just love that as a device of like who is telling the story, who's hearing the story, what details are there. And we see that experience. Uh, and this is a similar way with the little girl populating the story that is being technically being told by Lee Pace. Yeah, no, that's a that, 
there's, it's a very powerful way to do that, though, too. And mm-hmm. I, I really wish this would have gotten a bigger theatrical release. It would have been, you know, because, I mean, whose name is behind it? Um, Fincher. Fincher's name is behind it. Isn't his name Yeah, Fincher this? and someone else. But literally, they're not even, like, regular producers. They just got, like, paid a little money to put their name on to be like, hey, this is a good movie. Oh, of, of course. <laughs> of course they, they, they did that. You know, of course they did that. Yeah, well, it's, it reminds me a lot of, like, when Quentin Tarantino, they throw his name on some foreign films to be like, hey, go see this. It's a martial arts film. Quentin Tarantino, guys, come on. <laughs> come on, come on. Um, I agree with you. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, I'm going to give the, I think I'm going to wait a few a few weeks and give The Fall another viewing. Where mm-hmm. like, I'm going to, there's, I'm not going to have my phone. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to be hungry. I'm not going to be drinking anything. I'm just going to watch it and see if I come up with the same things I did this time. Mm-hmm. I assuming I'm assuming I'm going to see a whole lot more because I'm not because the second time you see a whole lot more because you know what's going on. Yeah, uh, so yeah. That, that, this this is probably my tenth viewing of the film at least. I would say we watched it a lot when it first came out. Um, also, I just want to brief update the film it was based on is a Bulgarian movie titled Yo Ho Ho from 1981. Well, that makes sense with the pirate reference. So yeah, so if, yeah, so if anyone's looking to watch that, I'm going to be trying to track that down just so I can see what that's like. And she um, is a Bulgarian actress. So the little girl is a Bulgarian actress. Oh, no, that's or, a nice or at least what Bulgarian or Romanian. I think I think it was Romanian, but now you say Bulgarian, and it might have been Bulgarian. So yeah, yeah she's definitely of that descent. But I mean, that makes sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, it was David Fincher and Spike Jones were the two that uh, presented the film, quote unquote. Well, I mean, they just found that they, they they just saw. I I'll guarantee you, he did not watch it before he put his name on it. I, Fincher, oh, I no. guarantee you, he he didn't. No, no, but it, uh, but yeah, it's it's a great film. Please, if you're listening to this, if you like if you like this podcast, then you're the type of person who would definitely love watching this movie. Absolutely, I mean, I tracked it down, but man, it was worth it when I did. We had mm-hmm. to, we even had to, I had to delay what two weeks because I couldn't get a copy of this thing. Yeah, because we, were, yeah, we were planning a while ago. And you're like, ah, oh, they didn't come. It didn't ship yet. I'm like, okay, and like, ah, oh, it's it's got held up in shipping. I ordered a second copy. I'm like, all right, well, I mean, they got to do what they got to do. But um, if any listener is, you know. If any listeners listening to this and can't find it, I will ship you my copy with a return label back. Um, I'm putting you on the honor system, though. So if I do this, I don't get it back. That will never happen again. But if anyone's interested in watching it, I will I will pay to ship it to you and ship it back myself just because I want to spread the love for this movie. It's it's one that should be loved by more people. Uh, we want to so, do ratings on that or you, you want to wait until well, you see it a second time? No, no, no. We can do we can do a rating on the first time through is when I think the rating should be done anyway. But um, gotcha. if, I, if I if I were giving this a score from you know on, on our one to ten scale, um, this for me would probably fall on an eight or an eight 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 and a half. Uh, yeah, for me it's probably a nine. I love it. Like I said, it's one of my favorite films. I just love it. It speaks to me in the way I want. I, I recognize it's not perfect. There are little things I could tweak, but I just I love what it's given to me. I think there's a better story here if you tweak the if you tweak the details a little bit. I think there's a more impactful story here, but it mm-hmm. would change it would change a lot of the of the details, which I'm probably sure is not a good thing. I'm, I'm not yeah. probably sure. I'm sure is not a good thing. Yeah. So, um, but I mean, I would have told it a little a little differently. But hey, that's what you know. One day I'll, I'll make my own movie, and we'll be talking about that on this. There podcast, you go. So. Um, <laughs> the movie I will choose for next week is one that I saw very very early. Uh, I went with my sister to see it in the theater. I was nine years old. Um, and it's one that you might, you know, shake your head at, Brandon. It's called it's called The War with Elijah Wood and Kevin Costner. The War? I don't even think I know this movie. It's directed by John Avnet. It is, 
it's the first time in film. I was like 10 years old. And this is after I'd seen Beauty and the Beast and like was really like my eyes were completely open to what film could be. And I like realized certain things. But this is the first time I, I, I realized there was um, like parallel stories being told. Like with a movie called The War about a father who came back from Vietnam and is kind of unable to adjust. And his son who's dealing with kind of bullies in his school and there's there's a parallel there you know i mean his father was mm-hmm. in war and his son's in war just different kinds of it but the first time i realized there was like a parallel within story and i was 10 years old or nine when i saw it and 10 years old when i rented it and saw it and like made that distinction and like watching it on vhs nice and watching it on vhs yeah there's something you're never gonna hear kids say again is oh watch yeah. it on vhs i went to the blockbuster and got it on vhs <laughs> <laughs> uh, you, you see that meme when it's like it, it shows you a picture of Hugh Jackman. I think it's Hugh Jackman in a car looking out, and it's like every thirty-year-old when someone says blockbuster is they <laughs> they remember it. They remember it so fondly. All right, well, Brandon, thank you for joining me for this um, oh. installment of Origin Story. Always happy to come, especially if I'm spreading the love for the fall. Um, look I forward guess... to watching the war. We'll try to be a little more timely next time. Hopefully, there won't be any shipping issues. I won't have to pay a hundred dollars to get a blu-ray of this <laughs> no but um thank you for again for introducing me to a movie which is without a doubt in my top 20 of all time i just i love it so much what it does the, you that's know, what i like to hear does, so. good 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 all right well again thank you very much brandon and we will see you next time my friend mm-hmm.